0: Good morning, everyone. Um, we will be in 2 Corinthians 4 uh, today at verse 7. Uh, but before we get started, I'd like to just pray. So, dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much, Father, that we can come before you today. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to your words today, Father, that you would speak and that we would hear you. Um, Lord, we just thank you for your love, Father, that no matter what happens in our lives, Father, you are there for us, Father, that you have promised those who are called according to your purpose, Lord, that all things will work together for their good. Uh, thank you, Father, and praise you in Jesus' name. So, um, turn to 2 Corinthians 4. What's that? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Kids are excused to go to um, kids' church. So have a great time. Fun. So, before we get started here, um, I want to give a little bit of background to 2 Corinthians. Um, so, Paul here, he, uh, this letter is really written in almost a defense of his, uh, the suffering he's been going through for the churches. Um, so, it's funny, we're going through Job right now with the youth group. And it's amazing to me how consistent human behavior is and our tendency towards the same exact thing. Um, So we're always going back. Throughout human history, it's like there's a couple driving factors. And it makes sense, given that humans haven't changed, right? Um, But Job, we're we're talking about Job, and Job was a righteous man before God. And he was put through uh, a very painful sort of testing, right? Um, Satan was allowed to take everything he had and pretty much give him a terrible disease or he had to go through this period. And in the end, um, he's drawn closer to the Lord through that. But his friends who come to help him and to encourage him, they, uh, they'll sit there and tell him, hey, you're doing it wrong. You've sinned and you need to repent. And that's why you're going through this trial. That's why you're going through this struggle. And you look at the Corinthians and they were thinking the same exact thing and being taught the same exact thing. That Paul couldn't possibly be righteous or really, you know, the guy they should be following if he's suffering this much. There should be no reason why he should be suffering like that. And so it's just crazy to me, you look today and the prosperity gospel is here again, right? Everyone, if you you just have the right amount of faith, you do the right things, God's going to give you wealth, health, and happiness. Well, it's not how it works, right? (laughs) We, we've seen that throughout Scripture. Um, it was true for Job. It was true for Paul. And it's true today. Um, so, the consistency is, is just really interesting here. Because the Corinthians here are being taught by these false teachers and these opponents of Paul who are coming into the church and saying, yeah, Paul isn't really the guy you should be following. Because look at how much he's suffered. Look, at, has he gotten any richer through this? Is he doing any better? Uh, no, he's suffering and he's struggling. Um, so, look at me. I'm wealthy. I, I'm healthy, right? Follow what I'm saying. Don't listen to Paul. So that's why Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is really being written here, uh, at least partially, uh, is just to reveal that suffering is part of being a good Christian. Right? That's just part of it. And, and why is that true? Well, if we look at Jesus' life, Jesus suffered. He lived a life of suffering. And we're called to be like Christ. So suffering... And persecution are part of that. Um, So, Paul here is going through that exact same thing. And I want to just give a little bit of um, Paul's credentials quick. Um, I think it's really easy to think, you know, we we hear, uh, be like Jesus, right? As Christians, we're called to be like Jesus. Well, what does that really mean? Like, Jesus was God. That's hard. How do we be like Jesus? How can you be a perfect person? Right? Well, I think that can sometimes it can get really easy to get lost in that thought and how in the world can we ever pull that off? Sometimes we need another example. And Paul is probably the perfect example of a person attempting to be like Christ. Um, so, just a couple things. Jesus, he came down from heaven, right? So he left his glory and his power above, right? He came on a mission to save mankind from their sins, right? Paul gave up his blooming career right and his wealth to live a life of suffering to bring the gospel to the Gentiles um, so Jesus right lived a hard life um, he was constantly he was homeless right he was constantly in danger people were always trying to kill him all right but he lived that life and he he gave that mission out well Paul did the same thing right he went to the Gentile world right the un unbelieving gentile world for for a jew that's crazy you don't bring the gospel to the gentiles why would you do that the gentiles are like the the dogs you know We're, we're the sheep they're the dogs right that's that's kind of the way the jews viewed them um so he went to the gentile world right and he lived this life of suffering to bring the gospel to the gentiles um And then ultimately, right, Jesus, he died and he paid the price for all humanity. Paul eventually died um, a martyr for his faith and in that mission to bring the gospel, right? So I'm not trying to make a comparison here, but there's some similarities, right? Obviously, Paul can't be compared to Jesus. He's just a man. But there's similarities. And Paul took his, his walk literally as a Christian, right? He literally tried to partake in Jesus' sufferings. He wasn't afraid of suffering because he knew that Jesus suffered and through that suffering, he was going to be glorified, right? So, um, before we get into too much more, I want to say I am not qualified to preach this message, right? I am like in kindergarten in sufferings. Paul is like postgraduate degree in sufferings. So, we're going to look at what Paul has to say and not what Lance has to say because I don't have anything to say on the subject So um, if we turn to uh, we'll go to second Corinthians just a ch- couple chapters ahead, 11, 23 through 28. just want to give a little bit of Paul's credentials here. We'll, we'll start at 22. Says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seeds of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Um, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons, more frequently, and deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and the day I spent in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of, in the cities, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. These are all the things Paul has gone through. He just gave us a list, right? And it's not a detailed list. He deals a couple points. Paul understands suffering. He understands pain. And he understands what sacrifice is. Um, Paul, I would say, as close as a human could be, understood agape love. True, true love, right? He understood what selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love was. Right? So he understood what pain and hardship was and he understood what sacrificial love was. And so he's saying, hey, to all these people telling, hey, this Paul, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's saying, this isn't isn't true. If you look at Jesus, you're going to see that same life, that pain, suffering, sorrow, struggle. It is not, God doesn't just give to those who, you know, are most spiritual and he doesn't just give them the easy ticket and they're good to go. Um, Oftentimes, those are the most um, toil-worn, struggle-filled people. Um, so I want to just turn to seven now, or, or chapter four, sorry, verse seven, and we'll we'll start this chapter here. So Paul says, "But we have this tre- treasure in earthen vessels, and that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed." We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, and the life of Jesus, um and, and that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So that then death is working in us, but life in you. So Paul starts out um, and he says, we have this treasure. Well, what's this treasure he's talking about? We need to go a couple of verses back in order to to see the treasure he's talking about. So if we go back to verse 5, he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ the Lord, and ourselves, our bondservants, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is that The God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts, to show the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, in the face of Jesus Christ. So this is this this give the light and knowledge of the glory of God, right? That's what this treasure that he's talking about is. That's what has been put in these earthen vessels. Um so Paul's saying, we have a treasure, right, in an earthen vessel. And I want to say just one thing about these earthen vessels. So this isn't speaking so much of our physical bodies, right, as a receptacle for our soul. This is speaking of, right, humans as receptacle for God's light, glory, right, his gospel, right, his spirit. He's he's talking about us being receptacle for that. And he uses earthen vessels here. So in the ancient world, um, there were a couple different types of vessels, right? There were your pottery, your earthen vessels, There was your metal vessels and there's your glass vessels, right? Um, The uh, metal vessels, right, are really valuable. Metal in the ancient world was very valuable. Um, They didn't have a whole lot of it. Most mining operations were on the surface, so it was expensive. You could melt it back down once, you know, you were done with that vessel and make it into something new. Um, And glass was kind of the same way. You could melt it back down. You could start over. Um earthen vessels, really, once they're broke, they're, they're, they're done. They're throw away. Um, so they weren't very valuable. Um, they were the least valuable form of vessel. And when Paul is talking about, he says, we here, he's talking about, right, the apostles, not just himself, but those on mission to the Gentile world, the ones the Christians would have been coming in contact with, Paul and the people with him, right, He's talking about them uh, as if they're earthen vessels. Well, from what we know about Paul, Paul was a pretty great Christian, if you want to say great in that word. Um, Paul wouldn't have said that. But in our minds, if we were going to pick out points of like who to be like, well, be like Paul. Um, He says he's an earthen vessel, but that's only because of what he's carrying, this treasure, in comparison to this treasure that he has inside of him. He's nothing. He understands that. He's like, the treasure, that's what's important. God's glory, God's spirit, God's, um, the gospel, right? That's the treasure, not what I have, not anything I am. The treasure is that, the gospel. And in comparison to that, I'm really nothing more than an earthen vessel. Um, and not just that, I, in and of myself, I'm, I'm basically useless, Right, so he's he's comparing that um, with with this treasure here, and kind of throw away. Right, doesn't need to. God could replace him if he needed to. Um, and then also on top of that, he says God uses these earthen vessels in such a way so that none of the glory comes to the vessel. Right. You could look at um, like um, if you had a nice metal vessel, right? Whatever's inside of it might be worth a lot less than the vessel holding it, right? Because I said, metal, metal is very high quality. It um, was rare. And so the treasure, none of the glory from this treasure comes back to the vessel, right? It's just a throwaway earthen vessel. That's what Paul is saying. It's not, he's not important. His body's not important. Um, God's, the, the gospel's important. God's glory is important. And he'll talk a little bit more about that here. He goes on in verse 8. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not, dis- or, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So this gives a picture, um, a couple different pictures, uh, but I'm thinking first of like um, someone who is under attack, right? If they're hard-pressed, I think of like a military um, in the ancient world, uh, battles were fought right hand-to-hand. It wasn't, there was not a lot of long-range combat. And so a lot of times, like, there would be, like, a shield wall, right? And it would, hard-pressed was when you were getting compressed. So your your formation was being broken. You're getting, they're pressing too hard. We can't hold together, and we're going to break apart. That's what he's he's saying. We're, I'm, like, feeling like I'm breaking apart. Also, it gives you a picture of, uh, like, a hunted animal. So hunters, a lot of times, they'd hunt the more, um, like in the ancient world, a lot of times it was it would be more of a circle. You kind of find out where your quarry is, right? You make a big circle and you kind of just compress um, on it. So that's how Paul feels. He feels that he is always under this constant pressure. And that makes sense, right? We just went through his trials, all the things that he had been through. He feels compressed. Um, but yet he's not destroyed. Yet he's not in despair. Yet he's not... Um, He's not perplexed or, or he's not, um, yeah, he's not crushed, right? So Paul feels that he is still, even though he's under all this incredible weight of pressure, he's not, um, he's not in despair. And Jesus was in the same position, right, a lot of times. Not that he was perplexed or um, felt that he was in a, in a bad spot at any point in time, right? Jesus knew what he was going to go through. Paul didn't necessarily. Um, but Jesus was hunted. He was a hunted man, just like Paul is a hunted man. So they they were going through it. again, like he's going through a lot of what Jesus went through. Just gotta catch up in my notes here. <laughs> So Paul was persecuted, yet he couldn't be overcome. Um, And why why couldn't Paul be overcome? Well, we go back to that treasure, right? He knew the gospel. He knew what he was saved from. The worst he had to fear from mankind was death. And after that, they couldn't do anything more to him. So he had victory. He knew he was victorious in Jesus. Even though he was going through all these struggles, he knew he was victorious in Jesus. And he's trying to make that point again to the, the Corinthians here. He's trying to make a point. He's saying, I've been through all of this, yet I'm victorious in Jesus. And he's saying, always carrying around about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. He's reminding them of the crucifixion. So, if you look at it from the Corinthians perspective, what they're saying to Paul is almost like a Christian going and looking to their salvation, saying, yes, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm free from sin. I'm saved. Um, We're not going to talk about the crucifixion anymore because that was bad and I don't want to deal with that it would be the same picture. They're looking at Paul and they're saying, yes, we're saved, we're in Christ, we're doing good. Oh, but Paul, he's struggling over there and he's suffering. And they're not putting two and two together. The reason Paul is suffering is because he's trying to bring them the gospel, right? He's trying to bring them God's word. The same thing is true for us, right? If we ignore the crucifixion, that's how we're saved, right? We can't do that. The same is true for the Corinthians. They can't look at Paul and say, yes, thank you for bringing us God's word and that we're saved, but we're not going to look at your sufferings. That's a bad thing. That can't be good. Even though that's the only reason he had, or they had that um, knowledge in the first place. So, Paul wanted his life to preach um, the cross of Christ, right? So his life, even though there's all these struggles going on, he wants it to preach the cross of Christ. This is in verse 11, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus, who also is manifested in our mortal flesh, um, so then death is working in us, but life in you. So like I said, the whole reason he's going through all this suffering is to bring the gospel to these churches, um, that's why he's going through it. And it's, it's a picture of Jesus. He's saying, just as Jesus suffered, just as Jesus died, just as the gospel that you understand is going on, this is a smaller picture of it. I'm bringing it to you through all these trials. So don't discount what, what's being done. That's what he's telling them. So he says um, here, and since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Now, Paul kind of takes it and he brings it home a little bit because he's putting himself on the same level as the Corinthians now. He's pulling them into his same situation. He's saying, You know, we're the same spirit of faith. Um, and he says we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raises up, up the Lord Jesus will raise us up with Jesus and will present us with him. So by grouping himself in with the Corinthians, or grouping the Corinthians, I should say, in with him, he's saying, okay, I'm not alone in this. Like the suffering part isn't just for me, Paul, because we're on the same, we're in the same, we're the same spirit of faith, right we're going to be raised up together with Jesus and if that is what we're called if that's what I'm called to do is to suffer then that may also be what you're called to do and then he says but here's the victory knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God Ultimately, it's for the glory of God. So like I said, we talked a little bit about Job's friends and how Job, um, he went through the same kind of trial, I would say, that Paul is going through, except for Paul knew a lot more than Job did. Job didn't know, like Job knew that Jesus was coming. He knew someone was going to come and redeem him, but he didn't know any of the knowledge that Paul had gained from Jesus, right? He didn't have that same knowledge. Um, So he didn't have that victory to live in. He knew that God was true, and he knew that God cared for him in a manner, but he also felt that God hated him um, because he didn't have the true picture of Jesus, right? Paul knows that, which is why he knows this victory is coming, So like I said, the Corinthians despised um, that suffering because they already had the victory. Um, But without even realizing that the victory was only possible because of what Paul had done, because of what Jesus had done. Right? They were living in that um, victory without actually seeing the sacrifice that went into it. Um, And that probably comes down, like I said, a lot to the area it lived. So Corinth was a really... Um, it was a port city. Uh, it was a very, um, not a great place to be, a uh, very worldly city. And so suffering and um, having little, right, being poor, being um, weak, all of those things wouldn't be attractive to the Corinthian believer, right? So they're falling almost back into their old ways since when Paul had first come. Um so at first, like it makes sense why they would turn um, from Paul and look at him in this in this negative light. I want to turn to Philippians 3:10 here, just to go back a little bit to, to Paul here so maybe back up here and be it. A- all right. So he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death um, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So... So Paul here... The reason, right, he's going through these sufferings is he wants to be... He's looking forward to the resurrection. We just read that to the glory of God. Um, that's why he, he did what he did. That's why his life was the way it was, is because he wanted to bring, he wanted to do all that Jesus had done, right? In the same way, he wanted to bring that gospel. And he, he was okay with going through the suffering because he knew that that's what God would have, in, if that's what God had in store for him, then that was God's, God's will in order for him to bring that knowledge to the churches. So he says in verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, Paul says he does not lose heart. Right? So, like I said, he's a picture, right? He's been going out, doing all these things, um, suffering, struggling. We saw his credentials. He says he doesn't lose heart in that even though the outward man is perishing. So Paul probably showed signs of all of the struggles that he had on his physical body, right? There was probably scars. There were probably, um, if not injuries, um, that never healed properly, right? So he showed um, the, the he, he would have shown signs of his struggles. And so he says, even though this outward man is perishing, right? So Paul is getting older, too. And I'm sure he's breaking down. Uh, his life hasn't been easy. But he's saying the outward man, even though that's perishing, um, he says, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So his spirit is being renewed by God, right? Um, suffering, joy in suffering, um, or perseverance in suffering, isn't really something that The world looks at and says, "That's what we need to be like, right?" That's not normally the first um, the first thing the world does when they see suffering. It's like, "How do we fix that problem? How do we get out of the situation?" Um, or just grumbling and complaining over it. Paul here, what does he even what does he say? He says, "For our light affliction." We just read that list of Paul's light affliction. Paul has probably suffered more than the majority of people alive today. Don't know that. I can't say for sure. But just given what he has as his credentials for suffering, it would make sense. Um, And he calls it light affliction. So why does he call it light affliction? Because he knows what's coming. He knows that he's going to be resurrected. He knows he's going to be renewed. Uh, He knows that God is using it for his glory, right? Um, And that's all Paul wants. Paul wants to be a partaker with Jesus in that glory, yes, but also in the sufferings, in the pain, and the struggles. Um, And Paul's being renewed daily because of that. I mean, I'm sure Paul grew as a a believer, right? I'm sure he grew closer to God through that suffering. There are... (sighs) Suffering is is one of the things God can use to teach you um, things that can't be taught any other way. Like I said, we went through Job, and and Job was a righteous man. Um, But you watch Job's transition, how he changes um, over the course of the book of Job. And he starts out very angry and frustrated at God, right? And then he starts to slowly, and you just watch his rationale, He starts to go, okay, I'm missing something. I don't know God the way I should know God. There's something wrong here. I thought I knew God, but I don't know God. So then you watch it slowly change until, um, and even with his friends, he, he looks at his friends and he's like, yeah, I would have been in your guys' same position had it been, you know, before this. But because of what I've been through, if I was in your position now, I would be comforting you. I would be there for you. Regardless of what was going on, I would be there to help you. Not to tell you you're a sinner and you need to repent and just go about my way, right? He said, I would empathize with you. I would be there with you. Um, so God uses that suffering at times to, to teach and to grow us. Um, and we see that too with Paul, right? Paul, through his life, I'm sure was not the same person when he first was converted, Right? to the end of his life, when he could go to his death um, in peace and in, in joy of the Lord. So, even though his suffering um, was great, to him, he sees it as not much. It's um, just a light thing, a little thing, um, because it's in comparison to what God is going to do with it. Not just in this life, right, but in the next. Um Sometimes we don't see the fruit of our labor or our pain in this life. Uh, Again, going back to Job. Job, if he wasn't revealed, if it wasn't revealed by God, um, what he was going through and why, he would have never known, right? And so the suffering seems pointless. And that happens in life, right? Sometimes we don't know why the suffering happens. Um, But one of the things I've been trying to remind our, our kids at youth group is that sometimes um, or or we, in general, with suffering or struggles or any temptations or trials we go through, we can't judge the value in this life, right? We can't judge what that did or is that worth it? How did God use that in this life? Because we don't know when or how or whose life it impacted, right? So in this life, it doesn't matter. You can only judge that in eternity, So someday we'll know, right, just as it was revealed to Job why he was suffering. Someday we'll know. Paul got to see a lot of the fruit of his labor in his life. Um, He saw churches start. He saw um, people come to faith in Christ. But um, we have a promise from God that he's going to use um, all of our, what He, his path, his plans for us are going to be for our good and not only our good but for others' good. So he says, "Um, For our late affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen um, are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, Paul, if from the world's eyes, Paul would have been considered pretty much a failure. Um, He would have been considered... Like, you gave up your blooming career where you could have influenced politics, you could have done whatever you wanted, you could have been a great teacher, you could have done whatever you wanted, um, but you exchanged all of that for a life of suffering, a life of hardship, and then ultimately martyrdom for your faith. Um, The world would see that as a a failure. Well, Paul, you tried to bring about some great thing, but in the end it really didn't matter because you never got anything out of it. Um, Paul doesn't see that, but he gives us a little bit of wisdom here. He says that he keeps his eyes on the things that are not seen rather than the things that are seen, right? If he looks at just what he is seeing, if he looks at his situations and surroundings, he's going to be crushed because of the sheer weight of what he's going through daily, not just in what he's been through, right, all this, this list that we had, but also in what he feels for the churches around them. And he sees the heresies that creep into the churches, right? And he has to write a letter to address this and write a letter to address that. He's got stress, you know, he's feeling that stress for the churches. Um, if he focuses on the here and the now and he focuses on just his situation, he's going to be crushed by it. Um, And so he says, I don't focus on that. That's not what I'm focused on. I'm not focused on my current struggling. I'm focused on the future glory, right? What God is going to do with it and then what God is going to do with me right after. I know this is just a momentary thing. It's a temporary situation and that eventually God's going to make it all right and I'm going to be in glory with him. So Paul looks at that and I think that's really true for our sufferings. If we focus on the suffering, we focus on the situation, it immediately takes our eyes off of God, right? If we focus on the th- what's going on in our lives and a lot of times we can't change it. Sometimes we can um, or we, so we can work towards it. Um, but if we focus on the things that are going on in our lives that we can't change, we're just going to end up getting caught up in that. Our eyes are going to be taken off of God and we're going to Grumble, suffer, and not have his joy, right? That gives us the ability to be joyful in times of suffering. Not that joyful always looks like happy and, you know, excited to start your day. Um, but there's the joy, right? That, that perseverance. I want to turn um, to Romans 5, 3 through 5 here. Ah, we'll just do 5 through 5. Or 1 through 5, sorry. My bad. Um, so therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace through, uh, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts for the glory over um, by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So, we talk about that treasure, right? And that treasure is the Holy Spirit. But Paul here he, he talks about how we glory in tribulations or we find joy in tribulations in the struggles that are going through because it's going to produce character, right? We're going to be drawn closer to God through that. If we look and we focus on those eternal things, the eternal perspective of this life we're going to grow rather than to grow in bitterness, right? Because that's the other alternative. We grow in bitterness and complaining. Um, if we focus on what God is do, might do with that situation and how he's going to do what he's going to do, um, we may not know what that is, but we are promised that he's going to use it for glory. Um, and I don't know about any of you guys, but when I've seen someone going through a trial or a struggle and they're holding tight to the Lord through that, it is one of the most beautiful things. It's, it's hard to fathom that kind of faith, but only a struggle or a trial can produce that, right? Um, it's a huge testament to God. Not to us, but to God, because we're just those earthen vessels, right? We really can't do anything on our own. And that's why you don't see that in the world. You don't see that kind of perseverance through a struggle or a trial, especially not something that has no, think of a a disease that has no cure, right? You don't see that in the world. It's more of a, how how do we fix this? What am I going to do, right? And there's that despair, right? We don't need to have that because we have God. Right, Paul knew. I'm sure Paul knew that in his life it was going to end in martyrdom. I'm sure he knew that. Um, he did towards the end of his life before it happened. But I'm sure he was confident in that. All the other apostles had been um, martyred, so or almost all the other apostles had been martyred. So why wouldn't he, why would he be any different? Um, so yeah. So we're called to follow Jesus' example and be like him, right? Um, and that's a hard, hard to follow. So if we need someone to picture who's a person, right, we can do that, right? It is possible to be like Paul. I'm not saying we need to go out and leave, you know, and, and go out to the, all right, we're going to the, the tribe of natives somewhere in, you know, this island off in the middle of nowhere and we're going to bring the gospel to it. That is not necessarily what's being said here, right? God has his own plans for each and every one of us, right? God's plan for Paul was to send him to the Gentile world and start Christianity um, throughout it. But that perspective that he had through that, um, how how he went about his life, right? How he carried himself through struggles and trials. Because life is struggles and trials, right? It's there's always struggles and trials. Um, And Paul, the way he went through it, right, he was always looking above. He was always looking to God. He was always looking towards what God was going to do with this, not how much this hurts or how hard this is. He always was looking forward. If we can do that and be like Paul in that way, I think that's a huge, it would be a huge testament to our faith in God. Um, And then also, just not focusing on the trial, focusing on what God's going to do with it, not the trial itself. If we can do that, um, our witness is going to be so much bigger than anything we can ever imagine. Because as soon as something happens in your life, that's when people want to see how you're going to react. That's when, you know, it's it's like when you're on the side of the, or you're driving down the road and there's an accident. What happens? What does everyone do? slow down and they don't slow down usually if there's a lane clear and everything's good to go they'll still slow down why because they want to see what happened right so they slow down you'll have the road stare on the road okay what happened and that happens every time and then usually causes another accident right but um, that besides the point um, people like to see right by nature we're curious we want to see what's going to happen oh that person's going through that struggle oh What are they going to do with it? How are they going to react? You know, especially with their faith. If you have um, proclaimed your faith, right, people are going to look at it and say, okay, let's see if you're any different than anyone else. Um, Like I said, I've seen many people go through struggles and suffering. And I can't speak personally because I've had a fairly easy life. But that testament to their faith, um, it pointed to nowhere else but God, all right? That's where it pointed. You didn't look at that person and go, well, they're an amazing person. You went, how in the world can they go through that and be okay? And it's like, ah, because they have God, right? Because they're trusting in that victory. Um, So yeah, if we can be like Paul in the way he viewed things and how he looked forward, um, that's going to make us more like Jesus, right? Because it's, Paul was about as close as you can get. We just went through his life, um, the things that happened in his life. And his life even lines up. There's so many similarities with his life versus what Jesus did. Um, So I think in closing, um, if we can think of those two, remember those two things and stick close to those two things, I think it's going to um, improve our witness and not just that, it's going to encourage us. Because if we focus on Jesus and the victory versus focusing on the struggle and the trial, um, right? we're going to be drawn closer to him. We're going to be more joyful. We're going to be made more into his image. Because right? by beholding, we become changed. If we behold Jesus' victory, we're going to be changed to that victory. Dear Father, I just thank you so much for all that you do, Father, Lord, that you are... In all of our sufferings, Lord, that nothing we go through um, can be compared to what you did for us on the cross, Lord, when you took on the full weight of God's wrath for our sin, Uh, not just in, not just in your earthly body, Father, but in your spirit. Um, Thank you, Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you'd give us the strength uh, to walk in your ways, Father, to be like Paul. And, Lord, that you would just give us that perseverance, Father, through trials. That we can look to you. We can trust in your victory, Father. Rather than in the struggle and the trial or our own knowledge. Because we know, Lord, how faulty that is. We just thank you so much and praise you. I pray that you would bless this, bless this day, this week, Father, that we would shine for you. And we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.